Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Eagle Hour. This is Bob Getty, and I'm broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps studio here in Hattiesburg. One guest today, great friend of our show, uh, will need no introduction here in just a moment. But let me sort of rewind his career statistics 14-year head baseball coach at Southern Miss, five-time Conference USA champion, four-time Conference USA tournament champion, eight NCAA regional appearances, two super regional appearances, one Sunbelt tournament championship, four-time coach of the year, and 529 wins. And you know who I'm talking about. Our special guest today is former head baseball coach Scott Berry. And Coach, thanks for your time. i got to be honest with you, it felt really odd there to say former head baseball coach Scott Berry. How is retirement, Coach? You know, Bob, it's going pretty well. Uh, honestly, I've gotten enough things to keep me busy right now, so you know, I don't really have much downtime. I'm sure there will be, become that in the, in the months or weeks ahead, but right now I've had enough chores around the house to keep me busy and been traveling just a little bit, not anything that, uh, you know, that would probably be exciting, but, you know, hopefully in the future, uh, Laura and I'll be, we'll do, be doing some of that more, more often. Yeah. I think a lot of us, uh, guys, my age, think about that and, and you know, think about what it's going to feel like when we finally, uh, make that decision, kind of sum up what it does feel like, uh, Scott, when you, when you do retire. Well, you know, I think, first of all, I hope when, when everybody uh, has the opportunity to retire that they they feel like there's a sense of accomplishment in their life of what they've been able to do in those working years and, and, having, and, and most importantly, be able to say, hey, I've enjoyed what I've done. And in my situation, that's exactly the way I feel. Uh, I feel like that I've had the opportunity to, to do something that I love, uh, that I enjoyed coming to every day at work. Uh, you know, I feel like that there were people that impacted my life. I was able to hopefully impact their life in a positive way. And, you know, those are things that as I look back that uh, I feel as, as I move forward into this retirement and, and hope that others do that, that have experienced the same. Now that it, now that the season has passed and, and your decision ha- has been implemented, uh, if you will share with our listeners to the degree you want to, when did you make the decision, first of all, Coach, uh, that, that you wanted to retire? Well, it was a year ago, August, honestly, right now. It was this month, uh, last last summer. Uh, I just felt like that 
uh, this was something that uh, you know I was ready to do, uh, and I was comfortable doing. Uh, a lot of lot of thinking and, and soul searching on that, talking with my wife, and, and and you know. But what I did want to do, Bob, is I guess selfishly, I did want to see us into the Sun Belt uh, Conference. You know, I wanted to experience some new things, see some new venues, some places that I've never been to before. And more importantly, meet some new people that I've heard, uh, you know, about in, in the coaching profession and, and Division One baseball. And certainly I was able to do that and, and grateful that I was because they're, they're great people. The coaching profession is like a, a, a real uh, tight fraternity, especially in baseball. And, you know, baseball is a totally different sport than, than any other sport in the fact that we make our schedules. You know, we don't have administrators making the schedules for us. So there's a lot of communication between coaches and, and trying to navigate through a schedule. And, and so you, you become close and you become friends with these guys. And, you know, the, the ability to come into the Sun Belt for the first year and, and be able to meet those new guys was important to me. And, and certainly I was fortunate enough that we had a lot of success in that first year of the Sun Belt. Just, you know, got, got, got missed the uh, regular season uh, championship by one one game to Coastal Carolina. They they uh, they were one game ahead of us, but we were able to go into that Montgomery tournament, the Sun Belt tournament, for the first time uh, in in this in this conference and be able to win that. So very very proud of that. What we were able to accomplish with our baseball program in that final year. Well, no question. And you you know you established your baseball program you know as clearly. Uh, one of the elite programs in the country. Here's a, here's a couple of questions I'm going to relay to you that people have asked me, <laughs> and I've told them I don't know, but you know I'll ask them if the opportunity ever comes up. Would you have retired had you not had such a qualified assistant coach to turn your program over to? No, probably would not have. You know, I felt this was the timing – was was perfect with Christian uh, and and what he had been able to establish in our program for six years. Uh, you know, he came in not being a Southern Miss guy, just like myself, and I was welcomed by Coach Palmer and and the fan base. And I felt like that uh, certainly that opportunity was given to him as well by myself and our fan base. Uh, you know, I think he just lines up with everything that we've been able to establish uh, with our program that we feel like is important and you know it's not and it's not just the wins bob that are important to me it wasn't just the wins that were important to corky or hill you know i think we all lined up it, it was the big picture it was the development of young men not only on the field but to un, for, for them to understand how important things are off the field not only for the present and how we represent our program, but for the future in their own lives of how they go out and become husbands, fathers, and community leaders and the impact that they make. And you know, hopefully I want that by Coach Palmer. Hopefully Christian feels the same way that he was he was educated in that that way by, by myself. And, you know, I feel like that he uh, he will he will pick up right where I left and, and we'll need to move forward. So, but that did enter in at that point for sure. Uh, I, I know how close you were to coach Palmer and we're going to talk more about that uh, uh, later in the show. But another thing that I was asking and, and all of us that, 
began to get on up in life, we began to think beyond work, you know, how much time do we have left? What do we want to do with that time? Do we, you know, how much time do we get to spend with our families, the people that we love? So I was asked this question, Coach, and I, I'm going to relay this to you as well. Coach Palmer had a had an awful struggle that uh, that I know you were you were very close to him, and you were by his side, you know, really throughout that struggle. Watching someone as dear to you as uh, Coach Palmer struggle so at the end of his life, did that give you any pause to think, you know, well maybe I maybe I want to spend the rest of the time I have, uh, you know, with my family. I, I I have other things I want to do with my life while I can still do that. Is is that a fair question? It is, and I would be lying to you if I said, no, that did not factor in. Certainly it did. I think as we get older and, uh, uh, you know, I just turned 61 last month, uh, you know, I, I reflect back on my, my dad's life. He retired at 62, and six months after he retired, he, he dropped dead for no reason. Um, you know, that kind of entered into it, but watching Coach Palmer and, you know, give his heart and soul to, to this program and, and this university all those years, not only as a player, but as a coach, and then go into retirement and hopefully being able to enjoy whatever he wanted to do. And he was able to do that for a few years. But then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, the uh, the unforeseen happened uh, from a result of the surgery. And, man, next thing you know, I mean, everything that he had retired for and was looking – forward to do was taken away from him so you know those those were things that kind of entered in you know because bob we spend more time with other people's kids than we do our own in coaching if you want to know the truth and you know that's a shame but let's credit our family our wives and our kids for sacrificing their time to allow us to do what we love to do you know well you know so so where my kids are grown, uh, you know, one is in the working world, the other one's in college. I still have time to enjoy the remainder of my time, however many years, hopefully that's a lot of years, with Laura doing whatever I want to do and bringing our kids in and, and family things that we haven't had a chance to particularly do, uh, you know, prior to this in, in our working lives. Right. Well, I think it's. I think that's exactly right. I've heard the old saying: No one is ever on their deathbed thinking, "I wish I had worked more." You know. It's, it's, <laughs> so. Well, you're right, and you know, I could have continued to work and, and and continue to coach. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a factor of you know, hey, I didn't know what I was doing anymore. Uh, you know, we've no. seen some people hang on way too long, right? And I've I've looked at those people, and I I, I was that was way at, in, into the future with me, but. You know, honestly, uh, I wasn't born to work the whole life. I don't feel that. I've got hobbies outside of baseball that, that I enjoy to do, and that's what I plan to do. I plan to enjoy them and spend more time with the family. Knowing knowing that my career, I feel like that I was very blessed in what I was able to do for how long I was able to do it. We're talking to former head baseball coach Scott Berry, and uh, we're going to spend the whole hour with Coach. Stay with us. The Eagle Hour continues after this very short break.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back. Special edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. The Hour with our very dear friend, former baseball coach Scott Berry. Dickie's Barbecue Pit sponsored the opening segment of this interview, Campus Bookmart, and Miss Kathleen, who's a big fan of Scott Berry's. Uh, they sponsor the second segment. It is a great place to buy, of course, all of your Southern Miss apparel. Yeah, I remember walking in your office uh, one day last year, Scott, and and uh, Miss Kathleen had you cornered there at your desk making you sign baseballs for people. He's a sweetheart. I'll tell you what, nobody does it better and, and better customer service than, than Kathleen does, I can assure you. No, no question. All right, so uh, so Coach, you know, you, you retire, and uh, we, we went over the statistics, 529 wins. One thing that kind of amused me in our years of uh, interviewing you every Monday is you, you told me a couple of times that I wouldn't know where we are in the RPI or the polls if you didn't tell me every Monday because I don't pay attention to them. And uh, so I knew then that you didn't, but, but you w- when the year comes that you retire, and I just thought this was – I just thought this was so cool. Your baseball team finished in the top 10 of every major poll. So talk about going out on top. You you had established your program as a top 10 college baseball program by the time you retired. That had to make you feel good. Well, it did. I mean, nobody wants to go out on a bad year, and and certainly that wasn't uh, what what entered into anything. You just that, there's no guarantee on any year that you're going to be good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, you go out to prove it. And there's a lot of variables and factors that play into it, injuries, and you know, I mean, it, it goes on and on. So, but for the ability for us to go out and 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 have that momentum going into that last year. Uh, you know, from the season ticket sales, record season ticket sales, where we've sold out before the first pitch was even thrown, in anticipation of what we all wanted to happen, and that, and that was to, to host our second Super Regional. Uh, it was it was just uh, it was surreal, in, in all honesty, Bob, and, and just grateful for that year and, and the ride and the journey. And it didn't start out great. I mean. It, it did, but it didn't. You know, everybody said, well, we didn't start out real good. Well, we kind of really did. We just got to a point where we were 25 and 16. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, we go to Coastal Carolina, and they really whip us the first two games. But we got up off the mat, you know, that third game and, and rolled off 14 straight wins and, and played really good baseball, consistent baseball from that point on. But uh, you know, I don't think you could outside of going to Omaha, which obviously would have been the pinnacle of, of, of it all. We were one game shy of that, and uh, the ride was uh, was a memorable one and one that I'll that I'll always be grateful for to all those that that helped helped with it. Right, and, and you think back to that Coastal Carolina series. I mean, we were behind in the third game. I mean, it, it started out not too well in the third game. So for those guys to uh, to gather themselves and beat that team and then play the way they did the rest of the year. That's kind of like a dessert at the end of a great meal. Is that fair to well, say? You yeah. had to be proud of them. Well, I certainly was. But in that third game, we jumped out four to nothing. And it was like, looky here. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, we're down seven to four. Right. And right. you're like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Right. And because, you know, they were powerful and they could score and score quickly. And, and 
but our guys, you know what? They they stayed in the middle of the ring and they kept exchanging the blows and and we ended up winning that game. I don't know what it was. Uh, it was you know by a pretty good margin, but you know we just we were uh, we were determined to win that baseball game and not get swept because we've always talked about the importance of not getting swept, whether you're on the road at home. It's just devastating when you get swept in a series and we were able to survive and get out of there with a win. And certainly that propelled us with momentum moving forward. So like we said, 14 straight wins, which at that time was the longest winning streak in in country in division one baseball. And the question you said earlier in the show that uh, one reason uh, you retired when you did was that you wanted to experience a year in the Sun Belt. And you did that, and you won the Sun Belt tournament. And as you look back, what was that? Uh, what was that experience like? What was? What were the observations that you took away from Sun Belt Conference baseball? Well, very good, you know. But but I said at the beginning, I didn't. You know, people wanted me to measure Conference USA to Sun Belt, and I said, "Well, I'll let you know at the end of the year." Uh, I don't know yet, uh, but I will say that that Conference USA baseball was a good league. You know, I know a lot of people were not happy with the football and the basketball uh, uh, level, but as far as the baseball level, I mean, it was really good. You know, in 22 or 21, you know, we had four teams in the top 25 right. that year. Uh, I mean, it, it was really good baseball league. So, but I feel like moving forward now, uh, particularly adding us and Old Dominion, uh, James Madison, and then Marshall. I think Marshall's going to be a player when it's all said and done now that they're investing. I think they're putting like $22 million into a new stadium. I think there's a new vision for that going forward. It needs to be to be able to bring the conference up. But Sunbelt Conference baseball is very good. I was very impressed with the tournament in Montgomery. I was a little hesitant, but I really liked the downtown area and, and the, the eating establishments and the closeness of the hotels for people to to stay and walk to the stadium that was that was pretty pretty neat. But you know, I will say that nobody does it better than an on campus tournament that Southern Miss that I've ever experienced. And if then if it's off campus, I don't feel like that anybody's done it any better than Biloxi and uh, our Gulf Coast when when we held it down there several years. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. You did you did find Dreamland Barbecue down in Montgomery while you were there, didn't you, Coach? We did, but there was an outstanding Mexican restaurant that we frequented quite a bit there too. So <laughs> uh, it was it was a neat it was a neat place. You know, we played there our last game in twenty twenty of COVID. We played Troy there and, and beat them that night, and then the rest of the season was shut down. So that was the only time that I'd ever played there prior to that tournament. So mm-hmm. I thought that the city did a great job. I thought the conference did a great job. And and uh, once again, uh, Southern Miss dominated the fan base there when it was right in Troy's backyard. Well, no question. And, and uh Clearly, let everybody know you know who the new guy in town is, and this is who you're going to have to contend with. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was really a, a heck of a statement. I agree with you too. I, I was always a fan of Conference USA baseball. I always thought the baseball was good. You know, the biggest difference that I've seen in the conference, from my perspective, is the openness and accessibility of the commissioner. I think Keith Gill may be 
just may be a superstar commissioner. Your your thoughts about his leadership from where you observed it? Absolutely. You know, I think he values every sport in the Sun Belt. He understands the importance of what they bring to the overall uh, validity of and credibility of 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 a conference and and a conference moving forward. But from a baseball standpoint, he recognizes that there's some uh, so there's some programs in here that are nationally recognized and nationally ranked year in, year out. And you better not miss on that, and you better not let that go backwards. Because if you do that, then certainly you're going to lose momentum with the other sports and the the, rec, the recognition of, of, a, of a conference as a whole. Right. All right, just a couple minutes left in this segment. I have to bring this up. So you So you win that tournament, and then you get sent to Auburn, and you win the Auburn Regional. And uh, – and you know, I was there that afternoon, so I, I know you were late getting back home that night because we were, you know, that late in the afternoon in the press conference. And then there's a lot of hubbub about the picture that comes out the next morning at like eight o'clock the next morning after you've won a regional tournament. You're out there with a blower on your back, and you're blowing off the parking lot, Coach. Well, yes, I was, and uh, I'm not sure who captured that picture, but, um, you know, Bob, I, you know, started this saying several years ago, everything matters, and, and you know, maybe some people think that's just to on the field and, and what we're talking about, but it's not. It's, it's in everything that, that we do. It's, it's how uh, our, our facility is perceived when somebody – you know, pulls up there, and I mean, if there's, I'm not OCD, but I kind of am, I guess. And uh, so, I, I just like things looking clean. I like if there's if there's a recruit that's coming through with his parents, I don't want them to have any reason to say, well, they don't care about their program here. I mean, you can see that it doesn't look good, and uh, I want them to walk away and go, this thing looks like it's game ready every day. So. That's just that's just part of who I am. I probably am a little too obsessive ab- about that, but you know, I would rather it look good than not look good. And that's just uh, you know, I, I'm not going to wait around for somebody else to do it. Uh, you know, if you, that, that old saying: if you want it done right, you better do it yourself. And that's kind of my downfall, I guess. I, I can't tell you how many times my wife has said that to me. If you want to do it right, just do it yourself. And she goes and does it. Yeah. I can relate. <laughs> We're talking to former head baseball coach Scott Berry. Get his take on the on the state of college baseball in general when we come back. Great conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back. Glad you're with us on a special edition of the Eagle Hour, visiting with our dear friend Scott Berry, and we're grateful that he would be willing to spend so much time with us today. But uh, 
We're glad he's here. Fourth Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the show as they do every day. It is a great place for lunch. Fridays are wonderful. That's today. Uh, Catfish Fridays are always awesome at uh, Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Good food, good drink, and uh, always a Southern Miss game on the TV. All right, we continue our conversation uh, with uh, baseball coach Scott Berry. And, uh, Coach, uh, in the last couple of years uh, of your uh career things changed a lot in college athletics and i'm curious to get the now that you're out of the game your your thoughts and and let's start first of all with all the changes in the transfer portal and um, this almost wholesale shift of players from year to year to year to year it certainly affected us we benefited from it i think we were hurt by it as well Uh, but your thoughts about the NIL transfer, well, the transfer portal first. And is that something that you ever were comfortable with? Because I sort of had the impression you were not. Well, you know, I think the transfer portal has, uh, has its advantages for, for both the program and also the individual and the example. And, and the majority of them use them just for this, Bob, the majority of the people that enter the transfer portal are because the program that they're at at that time, they're not getting playing time. It doesn't look good for them to get playing time. And maybe it's best for them to go to a program where they can play. Cause you know, this window of, of playing time continues to get shortened every year for, for that student athlete. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you might be stuck in a program and you never played, uh, and you wish you'd have gone somewhere. So I think there's certainly an advantage for that portal that gives people an opportunity uh, to go somewhere else and, and, and have an opportunity to play. But then there's also the dark side of the portal where what I feel like that there are some dealings that are done behind the back. Uh, a lot of times, the majority of this time, this time, are, are done through agents and advisors trying to cut deals to get guys to transfer from this program to another program, uh, you know, and, and obviously now that there's NIL money available, that can entice them to do that. Unfortunately, the, uh, the mid-majors and even the, uh, the, uh, the NCAA classifications lower than Division One, Division Two, Division Three are being poached by certain programs out there that, that entice kids to do that. Now, I've been doing this a long time, and uh, you know, I feel like that one thing that I can hang my hat on is I've always done it the right way, you know, and it's always, you know, ethics have been a big part of how I wanted our program to, to do things. Uh, you know, example, when we lose a kid to another school when we're recruiting them, it's not bash bash the other school. It's not continue to recruit them. It's not try to get that coach, to, his coach, to talk him in to, to not going there. It's basically uh, good luck. If something changes, then you get back with us. Can't promise anything. We'll be there for you. But, uh, you know, I never wanted to burn a bridge and didn't want any of our assistant coaches to burn a bridge because you never know when something might come back to you. So, but now, you know, I think the, the ethics of our sport, which have been in place for a long time, are being challenged uh, by 
number one, money. You know, a lot of these coaches out there, particularly in the uh, the Power Fives, are are making seven figures. And you know that. Uh, you know, I, I I never went to that scale and was never tempted to do things the wrong way because if I if I didn't, then I wouldn't be making that money and that sort of thing. But you know, that's that's where we are today with with college baseball. I think the transfer portal, like I said, there's a, there's a a large percentage that it benefits and needs to benefit because the window for them to play continues to get shortened every year. But then, like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad things that are going on out there that are uh, not, not what we need to be teaching kids to do. Well, I'm not going to ask you to say this, but, but it, it, it did. My observation was we did have a really key player poached away from our program. And, and I would assume that NIL had something to do with that. Uh, the NIL is another story, though. Am I right about that, Coach, than, than the transfer portal itself? It is. Oh, yeah. Totally different. Totally different thing that's going on in, in the sport today. In, all, in college athletics. In I mean, all of college athletics. Really, I mean, it's opened it up to, to mainly as you have to look at it as a business. Now. No, correct. Uh, are you still with me? I am. Okay, yeah, I, I thought I heard the phone cut uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And 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 from a layman's standpoint, it, it seems to defy the definition of amateur athletics. I mean, if you're making, you know, if you go to a school and make one hundred fifty thousand dollars to play there, and I think that's probably small compared to what some, particularly in football, are making. Are you really an amateur athlete anymore? Yeah, I think we're I think we're certainly moving away from that term. Uh, amateurism when it's all said and done. I know that there was a coach, uh, you know, from another sport early on said this is uh, now a legal way to cheat. Uh, and he's right. I mean, it's it's all about the resources. Once again, what certain schools can, can ante up and pay players to entice them to come where others can't. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I still think that there's not the parity in, in college athletics that there needs to be, and, and certainly when you look at uh, when you look at the NIL, that's another example of how uh, the rich get richer and everybody else stays the same. I mean, so that's uh, but there's a lot of big money that's being thrown out there in today's athletics, college athletics. You know, you've had a lot of really great players here, a lot of star players, and, I, and I've often wondered. If you went back to the days of Nick Sandlin and, and Matt Walner and the NIL thing was open then, you'd have constantly been having to you'd have constantly been having to worry about who's coming in here and what kind of ungodly money are they gonna throw at a kid of this caliber. Is is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean I think it is now, moving forward for sure. I mean it it's totally changed uh, from what what it used to be, you you know, you'd like to feel like that once you get these young men in here and you build those relationships and, and they are involved in a program, a tradition like Southern Miss baseball is, and, and it's got its winning ways. And, you know, I mean, we have checked every box that you could check. If you're a uh, potential student athlete looking to, to move into the to Division One college baseball, I mean, Southern Miss, it checks every box in, in all honesty. So, but there's no guarantee that once they get here, that something won't entice them to go elsewhere. You know, I, I like to think that 
those two individuals that you just mentioned, Matt Walner and Nick Sandlin, who are both making big money right now in, in the major leagues, you would have said they're company men, which I say that today, uh, you know, that they wouldn't have left for something something else, that they would have valued where they are and their their investment in in Southern Miss and, and Southern Miss's investment in them and that they would have stayed true to, to, to this program. Right. But who knows? Well, you got a lot of them. I, I can tell you two that told me personally they would have never left the program and there was no amount of money that could have ever enticed them was Tanner Hall and Justin Storm. And uh, I think probably with the, with the season Tanner had the year before his last year, probably safe to say that he got some phone calls, but he uh, he made it real clear to me that uh, it never entered his mind. Here was his exact words. How could I allow these coaches to make me the player I am today and then go play for somebody else? Well, that starts at the home, Bob, 100%. Uh, that's that's the, the foundation that was laid in his life early by his parents, um, educating him on staying true and, and – you know, being loyal and, and, and not that things don't change, but I feel like that's exactly what Tanner and Justin both probably uh, were examples of. Well, I know they were, you know, because I know their, their families, and, and that's why they felt strong about the statement that, that they made or that Tanner made to you, and I believe him 100%. All right, no question. We're talking to baseball coach Scott Berry. One more segment, Coach, if you'll hang on. Uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this special show, but I want to remind you quickly about Noel Daniels Motor Company and the new Icon carts that are making available throughout Mississippi. They'll deliver them wherever you're hearing the Eagle Hour today for just $99. They carry electric vehicles for all your needs around the neighborhood, the farm, or even the golf course. And remember, they'll deliver it to you right here in Hattiesburg or again, wherever you listen to the Eagle Hour every day for just $99. They've got a great inventory and they'll give you a great deal Go to uh, just tell your phone to take me to Noel Daniels Motor Company in Brandon, or you can shop them online anytime you like at noeldaniels.cars. Noel Daniels Motor Company, the entire team here for you to serve you and get you the golf cart that's perfect for your needs. We're going to wrap up our conversation with head baseball coach Scott Berry right after this break and uh, let people know they can hear the podcast later tonight no matter where they are apple audible google spotify stitcher tune in or you can just tell alexa to play the super talk eagle hour we'll be right back Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. D1 DBAT sponsors this segment of the show. Great place to take your kids for baseball, softball training. If you're an adult athlete, a weekend warrior, just go down there and they'll find a program for you and they'll make you better at any sport uh, that you enjoy. Also, Mobay Beignet Company, we appreciate all their great uh, support of our program and love those beignets. We thank you will too. They're right across the street from the campus on Hardy Street. Uh, we're going to wrap up our visit uh, with head baseball coach Scott Barry and and uh, and coach. Uh, how how now that you're retired, how fast has time passed since the days you were the starting catcher at Crowder College? Really fast. You know, we 
I talk all the time to, to people and, and that ask me how retirement is and, you know, they're in it as well. And they'll, they'll make mention of that, you know, my, my parents used to tell me time's going to fly, you know, and when you were young, you didn't believe it. And I said, Oh, how true is that? And certainly it is. I mean, it just seems like it went by. It was just yesterday in, in different stages of, of my life from Crowder to Southwest Missouri state to Meridian to, to Southern Miss. I mean, it just has gone by so quickly, but, uh, you know, you just have to pinch yourself and say that, you know what, even though it's gone by quickly, it's just been a great, great ride and great journey. You know, when we talk to your to your players, uh, not only on the on the last rosters you had, but, but previous players, they'll talk a little bit about baseball with us, but it always goes back to you and everything they learned from you about being a man and a father and a member of their community. And uh, I, I have had the good fortune of, I think, getting to know you pretty well over the last ten or twelve years. And I think that's probably what you are the proudest of more than the more than all the wins and the tournament championships is the way so many of your players have turned out. Well, and I am. I know that baseball is, is short lived for the majority of the people that play the sport, but life continues on until you're called home, and, and until that point when baseball leaves you. Now you're you're out there on your own, and you better be able to draw from experiences and people that have impact, impacted you, hopefully in in a positive way. And you know, as as I continue to get uh, further in my career, I could understand the bigger picture of what we were called to do, Bob. You know, early on in your career, it, I you know, I think it's like everybody. You're there. You think winning's the most important, and you know, you're worried about getting fired, and you know, if you don't win, you're going to be fired. And but as you as you continue to do things the right way, and you're rewarded for doing them the right way, and and success happens, then you see how everything really matters in in being successful. And I think it's important with these kids that if you're successful on the field, uh, that that's one thing. The numbers will always fade away. I, you know, I always say that you know people they'll forget how many home runs Matt Walder hit, uh, but they'll those guys in that locker room will never forget the person that Matt Walder was and the teammate that he was, and that's what's important because that is what people will remember about you and I and everybody else, and and those these young kids need to understand that as they continue to make choices in their life moving forward, knowing that this is going to affect them later on. All right, now when the Golden Eagles take the field next year, and I've had a lot of people ask me this, will you be in the stands watching? I would think so, yeah, unless I'm, unless I'm on a trip somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, I hope, I hope I am. I don't really foresee anything there in early February, and I'm excited about Coach Ostrander and, and his staff and the new people that he have, his, he's added. You know, the guys that I was a part of recruiting that, that are now in our program, not to mention those that are coming back from, from last year and the year before that have experienced a lot of success. So, it, you know, my plan is certainly to be there on opening day and to, uh, to be cheering those Eagles on to continue that tradition that is so important to, to who we are. All right, minute left. I want to I want to let our listeners know something. The people that know you won't be surprised by this, but people that maybe know you only from a distance uh, should know this. Uh, 
Number one, you've you've been extraordinarily kind to me and my family through some trials and tribulations that we had over the last couple of years, and you just always reached out, and uh, that meant more than it would be hard for me to tell you how much that meant. And you did the same thing uh, with a mutual friend of ours, J.T. Williamson, who was such a big part of this company and unfortunately lost his life to cancer. And it was J.T. that told me that, you know, I hear from – I hear from Scott just almost every other day. He's just been so encouraging and so supportive. And and so I know for JT's family and certainly for mine, I want to thank you for the kindness that uh, that you have always shown us. It uh, it's the true it's the true Coach Barry, I think. And uh, I'll always be grateful to you for uh, all the contributions you made to this show and the friendship that uh, you've shown me, Coach. Well. Thank you, Bob. I, I I enjoy people. I love people. Everybody's got a story. I like to hear their story. And, you know, time is something that doesn't cost any of us, you know, to, to give to somebody else. And particularly when there's hardships, um, you know, in, in our lives and nobody's exempt from those. And sometimes we need that friend to, to help lift us up and, and, and know that there's hope and there's encouragement in the struggles that they're going with. So, uh, you know, with our relationship and, and the late JT, you know, it was a pleasure in, in my life getting to know you and him and, and your families. Thank you very much, Coach, and we'll look forward to seeing you at the ballpark. Thank you, Bob. All right. Baseball Coach Scott Berry, there is no finer man. There is no finer man. Thanks for listening. Southern Miss to the top. into the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.